Hit the lights. You've discovered the Half Watt Podcast. We want to educate and entertain by tapping into the most trusted source of new technology, the ones installing and innovating it. You, the tradespeople that build from the ground up. Join us as we talk with industry leaders, veteran contractors, and even some young blood. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. I uh, First, I want to tell you that there may be some talk about uh, some trigger type things happening here uh, on my lecture tonight. <clears throat> so uh, about death and alcohol recovery. So if those two things are trigger items for you, uh, just be aware uh, they're not they're not terrible. They're just they just happen. That's just the way life is. But uh, I, uh, I I had an event happen this week that I think uh, uh, really really set me back a little bit, and uh, not in a bad way. I was I ran into a uh, a, a young person up on the hill where I work at who was uh, in the in a trade, and we had a discussion, and I was absolutely astonished at the enthusiasm and vibrance that i got from this person and it was it was it it really was infectious and i immediately called my uh, uh my producer and said I, I would like to have this person on the podcast and and so we're we're working on that to, to try to get it to go but i one of the things that that i uh that it it kind of brought to mind was where i came from in, in my own head on on into technology and into electronics like what what was the what was the deal for me why i wanted to do this so you know and as a young person uh, I, I grew up in the in the 60s and 70s and i remember the the moon landings and the the space flights matter of fact we used to see them from our house we used to see the rockets get fired out of vandenberg and stuff uh, right in cal anybody who was in california in the 60s could see them that was they were not hard to watch and um my grandfather worked in the electronics industry for a, a company called Ryan. And so, you, you know, I had all this, this technical influence in my life that, that kind of sparked my interest. But as a kid, you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. You, you just, you just don't know. I mean, we had an AM radios and that was our, our technology at the time. And obviously, te you know, television, black and white television and color if you were rich, but the, the curiosity and the, uh, the, the strive, the, the the striving to learn what was in these machines. How did they actually work? I really didn't have a clue. And I remember taking apart a, a small AM radio, AM FM radio, actually. My dad had. He comes walking to my room, and the thing was just completely disassembled on my bed. And it was a small transistor radio. And AM FM transistor radios of that size were expensive. And so you know, he kind of said, "Look, uh, you know, diphthong, you shouldn't have done that. I mean, come on." So, uh, but that sort of drove me. And as, as I watched technology happen, as I watched the moon landings and then the subsequent moon landings and all that good stuff, uh, it, it became apparent to me that I really had a, a head for technology and I, I wanted to, to learn more about it. But, I, but other than reading stuff from the library, which you know most elementary and junior high schools don't really cater to a lot of that, you have to take classes in it, um, I really didn't know where to go, what to do. And so like every other kid, you know, you wind up riding your bikes and, and, 
and uh, building forts and shooting BB guns and, and, you know, doing what the other kids are doing. You don't really think about it. You may get into sports. I got into karate and, and I did a lot of that, but I, but I never really took good electronics course in high school or, or any of that stuff. It wasn't until, um, I, I came in the Navy that, that all that sort of changed. And even in high school, the only thing I was ever good at, uh, was, was photography. And, and that I, I understood the chemistry, I understood the photography, I understood all that stuff. I had excellent, excellent, excellent teachers there. And I barely made it through high school at the end of the, at the end of the whole thing. And, um, I did some chemistry and I, I knew my mathematics and I knew some of the, some of the basic stuff, but I just was just not enthusiastic at all about the school, any of the schools I went to. I got in the military, that was a game changer. And it's a, it's a eye opener to go from being a civilian person to being a military person anyway. And I happened to stumble into uh, a field that, that happened to, to you know, hit me right between the eyes. And of course that was uh, electronics. And the Navy did, a lot of work in teaching you theory and what was going on and why it was going on and how, but they really couldn't spend time talking about how these technologies came about. And, you know, they, they did a, a fair job on some of it, but they, they really didn't have the time to, to, to go back and teach you, oh, by the way, let's go back to, you know, Watt or Faraday and let's talk about all these different concepts. And there are books and even Navy courses, and, and anybody who's been a student of mine knows that I, I talk about them, the PDFs that you can get that I have available to anybody, <laughs> anyway, uh, that you can learn the, some of the history and some of the, some of the background on electronics if, if, if you're so willing to do it. But when I was in the military, I, you know, I was just trying to understand the technology and, and how it applies, and they would cover a little bit of history. But there was this gap that I felt was was missing something that I, I really needed to um, I needed to have it at some point and uh, it certainly wasn't the Navy's job to teach me that but it was a Navy's job to teach me how to fix the equipment and how to understand how it worked and how to understand the, the theory and how to operate it and how to train people the uh, the and I'm, I'm pro Navy only because I was in it but I don't know a branch of any of the services that don't do this. So, so if you're, you know, Coast Guard or an Army person, uh, Marine, uh, former Marine, or Air Force, something like that, you're going to have had the same type of training. There's just no, no doubt in my mind. But what the what the Navy did uh, for me was was say, hey, look, if if you're on if you're not on watch, then this guy is, and you better hope that they're doing the job as well as you do the job or how are you going to sleep? And, and I mean that honestly, if you're out on a ship and your job is to keep missiles from hitting the ship and missiles are flying at your ship, you would really want to have the guy who knows how to keep the missiles from hitting the ship, from hitting the ship, uh, lest you die. And things like that happen. Uh, the USS Stark was hit and 38 sailors died. Eight, five of them were electronic warfare people. And the people I served with on the Truxton knew some of those folks. So, you know, this could be a real thing. And um, I kind of took that training and that, that, that stuff pretty seriously. And it took a while for that to sink in. My first ship was kind of a disaster. And I, I learned a lot of, of cool stuff. I also learned a lot of stuff I shouldn't do. By the time I got to my second ship, I knew that I knew what I needed to do. And I tried to apply it. And 
sometimes when you're in a in a military situation, if you're really gung ho in the military, that can be a turnoff to all your shipmates because they're like, well, you know, this really sucks and I shouldn't have done this, but here I am and never again volunteer yourself and all that crap. But really, when it boils right down to it, when 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 you're about to shoot, when you're about to shoot missiles to go to war, all that stuff goes out the window because it's you on this vessel trying to keep yourself alive and trying to keep your shipmates alive. And that's the goal is to get through the whole scene. And so you can talk the talk, but when the time comes down, you got to be able to walk the walk. And in all my time in the military and all the time I was able to, to be in leadership positions and try to teach my, um, my junior personnel and even laterally the folks I worked with, uh, I, I took it as a source of, 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 a, of duty to make sure that I at least knew what the hell I was talking about and did my best to make sure that everybody around me also knew. And to the point that they're like, okay, shut up, stop talking about it. We've heard enough. But that's me. I mean, that's just the way it, the way it goes. Part of, of what happens though, is when you're in a, in a situation like this where, you know, you're, you're sort of, you're sort of getting your, your technical, uh, um, you're sort of getting your technical edge and you're figuring out what you're going to do. You still have life happening. You still have, in my case, a, a wife and kids and, you know, parents and all that good stuff. And right off the bat, I had had a pretty tragic event happen. My mother uh, died when right when I got in the military. And that kind of threw, threw several wrenches uh, in my life that didn't get resolved for uh, probably a good solid decade or more. And it didn't get any better after that. And I was an alcoholic. And one of the things that I found out pretty quickly was, hey, uh, you know, drinking alcohol and military worked really, really well together. So, so you you begin to start of of do the do the best job you can while you're while you're working. But boy, you know, when the lights are out and we're out partying, well, that's exactly what it was. And all of the all of those steps, all those things that I went through when I was uh, in the military, uh, all came back to bite me one way or another from from uh, unresolved issues with, you know, with uh, with the death of a parent to, uh, hey, I'm just going to drink my, I'm going to drink all the alcohol there is in the world. There's just all there is to it. And I'm not going to stop until I get it all. All those things uh, work, are, are detrimental, work against you in your, in your ability to be good at anything. So, you know, pretty soon years go by and you're pushing this big load of baggage, big load of crap. And yes, you have some skill sets, but gosh, you're also a tool because you can't get over your drinking and oh yeah, you're feeling sorry for yourself because your mom and you know, all this crap. You you wind up you wind up just carrying a big sack of garbage that you at some point are gonna have to deal with. The whole time though, I have this this desire to learn bits and pieces about the electronics that I couldn't, I just, I just couldn't stop the world long enough to go. I couldn't, I couldn't stop the world long enough to go to college. I couldn't stop the world long enough to, to, to read all the books I wanted to, to understand the physics, to understand the, uh, the intricacies of what I was listening to, what I was hearing, for example, on the radio, I would, I'm a huge radio nut. You all know I'm a ham radio guy. And for a while, I would listen to all these sounds on the radio and go, I have to know what these things are. I mean, here's a machine communicating on the, uh, to another machine on the other side of the world. That is fascinating. 
until you realize you, th that machines have been communicating and machines on the side of the world for like 50 years. Where have you been? Well, okay, but how are they doing it? How, what are the protocols? How is this thing, how is this thing transmitting this stuff and how is the other machine receiving it and how is it laying it out and how come I can read it and blah, 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 blah. So th that can drive you into a, into a learning rat hole, which it did me until I started to piece together the right books. And, and this is before the internet folks. So, you know, you start to, Oh, I could read this or I could take these courses if I had the time and, and you know, the money. But eventually I started piecing little bits and pieces of it together. And I used history to teach myself a lot about technology. And as most of you know, who know me, I'm a World War II buff. I'm a Vietnam era buff. I've, I've the military, me and the military go way back. And I have, I have a lot of family member, members that were in it. I was in it. Um, I love reading about it. I love the battles. I love uh, all the stuff, everything that you can talk about, especially in World War II. I'm, I'm just, I'm just still infatuated with it. And the other night I was actually reading a book uh, on electronic warfare that I picked up and I realized and this is why i'm i'm doing this lecture i realized that in the 50s now think about this i was born in 64 so in the 50s 10 some odd years before i was born somewhere around there right they invented a machine that would be in an airplane would pick up a radar match its frequency and then begin to manipulate by changing its output begin to manipulate what that radar was saying automatically. Now, I'm just going to stop for a second. In the 50s, they had already had automatic machines, automatic radios, automatic electronic warfare equipment that would, if you turned on a radar of a specific frequency and pulse repetition frequency, it would grab that, know that that was the frequency it was supposed to work with, match the frequency exactly using phase lock loop if you're in the radio world using pll phase lock loop was around in the 50s and, and i and i had to stop when i was reading this book and i went you've got to be kidding me like how do they do that without digital theory and and and, and, and digital equipment and so i <laughs> opened up the internet and read about it and my jaw hit the floor i had no idea the engineers and in by the by the 50s had already figured this stuff out and then actually had figured it out in the 40s and even in some of in some cases some of the technology i didn't think uh was available until the 60s was available in the late 30s for crying out loud my whole time frame had to change i had no idea these things were there and it's just opened up like an entire avenue of knowledge i just didn't know was there and it's it's not, it's not that it wasn't available for me to learn. I just didn't tie those, those, those pieces of the puzzle together because I don't have all the knowledge, I, you know, and neither do you. No one's sitting around going, oh, my God, everybody knows that. No, you didn't. I didn't. And you may have studied something and gone, wow, you know, I didn't realize they had this back in 1938, but they did. Um, but then over here in this technology, if someone else is interested in that, well, they also had that and they had that in 1922 or, or whatever. You just don't realize how much technology had changed 
over the course of you know basically a hundred years. It was it was dramatic, and and this idea of locking in on a frequency, having a machine automatically see it come up, lock in on the frequency, do what it has to do to deceive it. Uh, and have it all in an airplane so all the pilot would have to do was look over and see the light come on and authorize it to, to do what it had to do was already installed. They already made these things. And and I, I just had to stop and go, what? you got to be kidding me. Well, of course. So then by the time the 60s come to land a person on the moon wasn't as much of a, of a stretch as I thought it was. And as I looked back into the original... Um, some of the original technology that actually did what we call phase lock loop, the engineers who designed that were light years ahead of where I thought they were. And my hat's off to them. So it, it's, it's opened up another chapter in my wanting to read and understand and get into the more of the minutia of the history of things whatever things you're into. And the internet just makes all that possible. You can quickly jump on there and go, hey, I want to look up torpedoes or whatever you're into and, and go through all the technology and what how what what how what what they had and in you know nineteen thirty nine by the time they had it, you know, what they had it all fixed in nineteen forty five and how it all went and now what do they have in, you know, two thousand twenty three. The the idea here is that is that if you if you stagnate and stop learning and stop sort of getting your head wrapped around things, uh, you you really you really can kind of hurt yourself. You can you can kind of stagnate. And in my experience with uh, with teaching people and and teaching technicians from my military time to to my civilian time, one of the things that I have made it a, a huge point was to train people and to try to try to get enthusiasm in how they learn. And this is one of the ways that I do it. If you've been in my classroom before, I do my best to say, well, this is what the book's talking about. And then I'm going to go on this long um, a journey around it to kind of talk about the background of that, to sort of pique your interest. And I've had plenty of students come back and go, I, I didn't know that. And I'm interested in that. And whether they go forward and, and actually pursue uh, learning more about those things is entirely their business. I, I, I just want to open up the door and say, hey, you know, you should go and check this out and see where you're at. <clears throat> see if you like it. So, Back to where I was was headed with this, you know, there's at this point in my little lecture today, you've got a couple of different things I'm talking about. One is technology, which is, you know, where I kind of got the drive to continue to learn and to and to never really stop and to keep going down rabbit holes until I understand as much of the technology as my, my little pea brain can handle or it just gets too boring and I don't give a damn anymore. That's one aspect. The other aspect is that as a, as a guy in his late fifties or almost sixties at this point, you, you know, we all have our own families, our own baggage, our own lives that we've, that we've navigated. Um, if you've gotten to my age, well, then you've probably navigated it somewhat successfully. But I look back 
and I see plenty of of issues, plenty of roadblocks, plenty of potholes, plenty of damage, plenty of mistakes, plenty of 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 tears and hurt and misery and a lot of joy. And we all have a choice to look back at in in the past and go, well, <clears throat> you know, that sucked, but you know, we, we, we don't want to live in that. We want to move forward. Other folks just can't get out of that. They can't get out of their own way. And since uh, there's different personality types listening to this, you may be that ter- that type that just kind of ruminates on that, just can't get it out of your head. I'm certainly not here to tell you that just snap out of it. That's, that's bat squeeze. But I will tell you that if you look back and you're still feeling a lot of those issues, it is certainly okay to talk about it. It is certainly okay to get counseling on it. It is certainly okay to work through those issues. <clears throat> and I will, I will tell you why. We are social animals. And the, and the way that we operate as humans is that we share things with other humans. And it generally makes us feel better. It generally is a part of our culture and a part of our way of, of living. And it's, it's this way in almost every culture across the globe. It's sharing information with younger folks, teaching them how to hunt or teaching them how to fish or teaching them how to run a boat or teaching them how to, how to, how to solder something or whatever it is you're, you're doing, handing down things from parent to child or from, uh, you know, instructor to, to student or uh, journeyman to apprentice. Thou, those ideas of passing that information down to the younger generation is why apprenticeship exists. It is why teaching is there. It is what families are supposed to do. It is what cultures are supposed to do. And I'm here to say that there have been some breakdowns in how this occurs. And, uh, and in my own life, uh, I, 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 I tend to be a very open person because it, it invites people to realize that, you know, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to make you feel bad about if you're, you're telling me about something that went on in your life. Matter of fact, just the opposite. I want to try to get in your head and let you know that, Hey, there's a way out of this or, Hey, I agree. I've been there. I have buried both of my children <clears throat> and that is a, I talked about it a little bit on the last uh, podcast I had. That was those were events that that if you were if you're an if you're an adult and you're a parent, uh, imagine looking at your children and then them not being there. Now, uh, mine, you know, one was fourteen, one was twenty five. So you you are looking at you know thinking, hey, I made it. I've, I've got these kids. You know, we're going to be successful here. Life comes at you fast. Life comes at you hard. I will not say that that it was easy. I will not say that you know it was fun. I will not say that I encourage anybody to go through that. But there are a lot of people who have lost children. There are a lot of people who have lost parents, and you will all probably lose your parents. And there are a lot of people who will lose their spouses and their loved ones and their friends. That is a part of life. Um, but in my own world, I'm not here for the dead. I'm here for the living. Um, there's nothing I can do about the changing that. But I can take the lessons I learned and I can share them with people. And I can say, look, uh, you're still here. We're still moving forward. And 
we can do something with this information and with these experiences, and we can try to parlay that into something good. In my own world, I parlayed that into talking to people and being very open and frank about it. And I don't tell people, oh, you know, I had this happen to me. I lost both my kids. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. I, I appreciate it. I, I, in no way, shape, or form do I say, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want you to, to. First off, I don't want you to feel bad for me. That's the, that's the first thing. The second thing, I do appreciate the fact that you have empathy and you understand it, and I super appreciate that. But I tell people that to break down the walls immediately because everybody I know has also lost somebody important to them or has somebody who's sick or something in those lines. Everybody. Everybody. It's an equalizer. And I can't say, well, my pain's worse than yours, so then do I, that's I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that I've been there. I have been there on, on an emotional level and Here's what I did in my own world to help me cope with it. Alcohol was one of those things for a while. You know what? Didn't work. There are uh, plenty of people who still are using that as a coping mechanism. And there's obviously in almost every major city in America, people using much stronger stuff than that. And, and you can see them all over the streets. So there are there are plenty of people out there coping with, with the... Uh, with their own life, their own losses, their own whatevers, their own ways. I'm certainly not here to tell you there are, you know, that that I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm just here to say that there are methods and ways uh, that improve how you deal with this. So moving forward, all of these, all of these things that I've had in my life, all these events, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that crap, I parlay that into talking openly with people and to um, try to get them either on the podcast or or to get them to open up to me and to talk to me. And I'm not doing this for any other reason than to say, once we get on the same level, once we're talking on that same level and you know that I'm not a, a BS artist and we're, I'm here for you, as most of my students and folks that know me know that I am, here's my number, call me, text me. Um, now let's help get you to where you need to be. Why? Why? What's the drive? It certainly isn't financial because I, I would, I would be in the Bahamas if that was the case. So it's not a financial thing. It's not just cause I, you know, it's not a religious thing. So what's the purpose? What's the reason? Well, the reason is the social aspects. The reason is, is that. It's my hope, well, it's my goal to make sure that the generation that takes over from my generation and the generation before me, as everybody cycles through, has a fighting chance, has uh, the, the will to go back and learn why these things are the way they are. Where did this technology come from? Why did, you know, how do communicate? How do computers communicate? How do machines talk back and forth? What are, the, what are the things I can do in my own world to uh, generate interest to see what, 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 what the future is? And, I, and I'd say that because it is the youth, it is the younger generations and the people who are moving forward as fast as they can who we need to turn over to 
all of what we know. So basically my generation's job is to make sure that you, if you're in the younger generation than me, know every damn thing I know, everything. There should be no secrets. There should be no experiences that, that I shouldn't be able to share with you other than the personal ones that no one wants to know about. But those things you should have, those are, should be tools that, that, that it should be my job from this generation to hand to the next generation and the generation behind that and the one behind that, the tools to make it easier for you, not harder. I should not hand to the generation behind me a pile of garbage and say, you figure it out. Okay, here's a, here's a, here's a broken fire panel. You figure it out. You've got a license. You figure it out. No, that's not working. And I would love to say that, that, that that's, that that's a, a not common in the trades or, but it is. I have run into journeymen in all sorts of different trades, and I'm certainly not going to flag any of them here, who don't make it easy for their apprentices to learn damn thing, okay? Or their students, or their children, for that matter. And they're proud of it. We're proud of it. I can't get my head wrapped around that. Matter of fact, I won't get my head wrapped around it. And I'm at odds with some of these folks, and they know who it is. They know who they are. I've, I've, I've called them out. I've, you know, damned or gone to, to, uh, to blows with some of them. So it's not a big mystery. I don't, you know, there's, I've just got as many enemies as I have friends. So that's just the way it goes. But I will tell you that I don't agree with that philosophy. I don't agree with not handing over to a generation behind me everything I know and more. It is our duty to do that. It is our duty as journeymen to make sure that our apprentices are so damn well trained that they smoke us in the field. And I do. I have seen apprentices and students that I have worked with become leaders in, 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 their, in their field, open their own businesses, do their own thing, become excellent at what they do. And there should be not one damn bit of jealousy, not one iota of jealousy. If you look at somebody that you trained and they're out there making a million dollars. The only thing you should have in your chest is pride in helping them get to that point. The rest of it's on them. You should encourage them to go ahead. You should make sure that, 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 that their goals, that they got their goals and they figured out how to do it. That is the idea here. The idea here is to pass this information along to the next generation to make it easier and more efficient. Now, if we go back and look at at any any civilization, okay? If if training the next generation wasn't the goal, they wouldn't be here and there are entire cultures that are no longer here. I don't know if that was their goal, if that was their philosophy, or if they got eaten by another culture, however it works on this planet. But that's what happened. So I want you, if you're listening to this podcast, and I want you to look at the person that you're going to train or that you are training, or if you're being trained at this point, I look at the person who's training you and ask yourself, am I getting everything I can get? Is there more here I should know? 
do I have the drive if I can't get it from my journeyman or I can't get it from my boss or my company isn't providing what I need? Am I satisfied here? Is there any other way I could get the information? Oh yeah, lift up your phone. Oh yeah, it's there. So if you're not getting it and you can't alter the situation you're in, pull yourself up and get it yourself. Start doing that. Start studying and, and figuring it out. I work, I work with, a, with a guy who uh, was a student of mine. He's, he's, a, he's a, a, a very, very, very logical thinker. And I love this guy. He has a, a very advanced degree. He has, he's a proficient in fire. He's proficient in, uh, in uh, uh, dampers. He's proficient in uh, understanding how uh, big systems can be shut down, big electrical systems can be shut down. He is proficient in, he's moving into access control and cameras. He is, uh, uh, there isn't anything that this guy touches that he will not figure out and, and become a, a, a behemoth in. All right. I just, in, I'm in awe of the fact that this guy can handle so many different disciplines and do it well, and then want to go for more. Like, like I'm enthused. He, he, he brings me joy to work with because every time I turn around, he's always thinking, he's always moving ahead. If I could clone 10 of these guys, I would do it. And I have another, I have another guy I work with who, who has, has the same thing. He's, he's constantly driven to get better and better and better to make sure that the people that work for him are getting better and better and better. I'm surrounded by folks like this. And I have been surrounded by folks like this all my career. I have I, very rarely do I run into somebody who's just a, you know, a, a nobody, somebody who just doesn't, meh, you know, very rarely do I, I, I can probably, I could probably count on one, on one hand, the amount of people I run into at home, like, okay, well, they're duds. They just, it's just not the, just not the right field for you. So each time I see somebody with that much enthusiasm, I learn something from them. What's driving them? How are they getting there? You know, why am I not learning what this guy's learning? Where am I at? And, and am I plateauing? Have I, have, I reached the, have I reached the point where I'm done? Well, I will be quite honest with you. I'm not into some of these things because I'm into turning them around and focusing them on you. You. You are you. Pers the person listening to this right now, me, in your head, in your ears, right now, you are the person I'm talking to. And the next generation behind you, that is where my focus is at. I would love to say, oh my God, I, I got to go learn uh, dampers or access control or whatever. I would love to say that that's my goal. It's just not. My goal is to turn around and take what I've learned and make it enthusiastic for you so that you learn those things. So that you can go off and go, man, I, I think fire sucks. I'm going to go be an access control guru or I'm going to go work on cameras or I'm going to go be a high voltage guy or I'm going to, I'm going to go fix cars. <laughs> I don't give a damn what you do. Just do it and do it well. And then if you become an expert at it, and I know you will be, grab the person who's remotely interested in what you do and pass it on to them. Okay. That by far is, is the, is the most critical piece. And, and that is where I'm at. And in most of my ventures, uh, and I have a few of them, I have a few irons in the fire. It is working with like-minded people who want to do that, who want to make sure 
that that the next generation is moving forward. All right. So I've I've got this I've got a list of people that I have uh, worked with over the years, and um, most of them are men. Most of them are are men, and I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. I have very few women that I've worked with uh, in the trades who are in the trenches doing this job. And I have brought a few of them. I, I'm not saying you're not there. Don't 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 take this the wrong way. You are absolutely there. But I find that there's it's there's more there's more men doing these jobs than women. Okay, and and one of the things that I would like to see is more women doing these jobs. And it's it's kind of a, a a bugaboo of mine, and so I, I have sometimes I have I run into to, to students I'm teaching, and I because I in, in a, you're sitting in a classroom and you're teaching I don't know 17 people, and there might be three or four women in the class, and the rest are men, and so I want to make sure that I'm talking, uh, you know, that I'm hitting everybody's buttons, not just not just the you know one group. But I'm finding it that when I when I have run into to uh, women in this trade that they're working almost extra hard to to be even better at it, and I don't know if they're getting the recognition from their bosses or not. Uh, but that's what that's what occurred this week was the person I ran into was a a, a woman who's doing a different trade, and her enthusiasm about what she was doing and why she was doing it was infectious. That's the best way I can put it. It was infectious. It stunned me. I mean, I stopped. I, I was there to to do something else to work on a to work on a fire alarm system, and I just stumbled into her and I started talking, and we had this nice conversation. And it it floored me the enthusiasm this person had, and I was like, "Whoa, I got to." So I'm going to try to to get her on the podcast so you can all meet her. And it harkens back to. For example, I've had I've had Cassie on here. Cassie was a, a, a student of mine and a, and worked for me at PSI. You know, she's now uh, working on notifier systems at, a, at another company and knocking it out of the park. Everything she put her hands to, whether it was whether it was uh, uh, suppression systems in kitchens or or fire extinguishers or or uh, uh, even a suppression system on a vehicle. I sent her down to do one of those one time, and the and the company representative said that that woman has her act together. She is good, and I'm like, yeah, I know. Works extra hard to to make sure that that and and I I'm absolutely blown away. I'm not blown away because it's 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 sexist or I'm being a jerk about it. I'm blown away because because it the idea of uh, of the fact that we don't have a 50-50 mix. And I understand that, you know, families and all that good stuff and kids, I get it. But it would be, it's it's kind of important to me in my own way of thinking that everybody have this opportunity. And um, uh, the uh, the other one I was thinking of was, uh, was uh, Jessica, the uh, who's a, a, the sister of a guy I used to work with at PSI. Just you know, smiling and happy and, and on her game, like, like, I like what I'm doing. And, and it's just like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is if, if I see if, if 99% of the people I see are young men and old men, too, because there's a lot of old folks in this game now too. Um, and they're all of, of various, 
you know, shapes and colors and, and, and identities doing their thing. I, for the most part, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'll do what I got to do. You can call me, talk to me, all that good stuff. But every once in a while, I'll run into, oh, I'll pick on Juliet, uh, for example, from uh, United Fire, who's just like, whoa. I mean, wow, where did this, where did this person come from? And it's, it's, you just don't see folks very often that, uh, uh, that are, are out there just knocking out of the park like that. And I'm super thrilled. And I've had, I've had folks on here. I had an EST three technician from Convergent who's just like, Anna, she's just like on her game. So it's really critical for me to, to, to talk to the women in this audience that are listening to me. You are wanted in this field. You are needed in this field. There's a, a, a level of, there's a need for uh for you to to be able to to strike a career that hits every number everything okay that we've had that we can easily strive to get uh i i'm just that right there is probably one of the one of the major things i want to say is that almost every single time i have run into uh to somebody in this in this trade and uh and they've been a woman, they've just been unbelievably good at it. And my hat is off to you folks. I just could not be any, any more pleased. This is what, this is what I ran into the other day that, that just, I was blown away. So blown away that, that I thought, my God, even though she's not in the same trade, I have to have her on this podcast. I want people to hear what she has to say and how she has to say it, because I want everybody to be comfortable coming into here. And I want every journeyman to train just like you were training somebody else to, to get them enthusiastic, to get them on their game. And I could rattle off 50 or 100 folks I know in this trade and, and who have gone off to, to just do amazing things. I got folks in, in Oklahoma that I know. I've got folks in all over Portland. I've got people who are nice at threes now working on their fours. I've got I've got, I've seen some of the, some of the best single best technicians and troubleshooters uh, I've ever encountered in this field. It's just unbelievable people. So we want those technicians. We want everybody on this team doing the best we can do and to train folks and to move forward on this. And this is such a critical thing to me that I think, um, I think I, I want, <laughs> I think I want to say this without without any reservations, okay? If we do not turn over to this next generation and the generation behind that, everything we have, if we are going to continue, and, and I'm saying this to the folks who do this, who, who hold those cards close to their chest, I don't really want to show uh, this person how I do what I do because then I could lose my job. If you know, I don't want to really, you know, these are, these are too technical for you to handle or, or you're not ready for this kind of stuff yet. I had a kid come up and I say a kid cause he's young. I had a kid go through my class and uh, I needed some software put on our machine at work and he popped in and I realized, Oh yeah, I remember you of course. And this guy's father was in the trade. His father uh, did a admirable job getting his son involved. His, uh, son shows up and he shows me what he's doing on the software and how he's, and he, and he did all the software installs we needed on our system. 
and he showed me all the different steps that he's taken to make his life easier. And I got a call from the salesperson from uh, the, the other day who who mentioned, has have you have you seen this kid? I said, yeah, his name's Kyle. He says, he's just absolutely amazing. He's done things that the old guard couldn't do. And I stopped to think about that. And he's right. The this this these this kid came in with a with a knowledge of computers that a lot of us just didn't have. So now let's hold on to that nugget for a second. Let's take us old fogies, the guys who are in their fifties and above, mislay, let's say, and let's take a look at where we came from. We didn't have computers when we were kids. We had dirt. We had Schwinn bikes. We had I don't know go-karts and stuff like that. We certainly didn't have computers when I was a kid, but we definitely had our own version of fun. Now, these kids that we're dealing with today grew up always having computers. And so they grew up in the Windows operating systems and Linux and Unix and you know Apple, whatever it is you're, you're dealing with. That's all they know. And so they may not understand historically where, gee, all this stuff had come from, but they absolutely understand the software side. And like it or not, us hardware buffs, the people who understand the bending pipe and pulling wire and stuff like that, that is super important. These folks grasp that stuff pretty quickly. And now they're working in a realm of software that really can be quite daunting to us. So now, I've got this young kid who I helped train and, you know, because he went through a couple of my classes and I'm looking at him and I just have this big smile on my face because everything he's saying, I'm baffled by. I mean, I understand most of what he's coming coming from, but I mean, I looked at this stuff that this kid was doing and, and my jaw hit the floor. And I, I, I didn't say I cried, but those of you who know me, it can be kind of emotional. But I, but I, I had to swallow hard. Okay, this kid, what this kid's doing, and how this kid is thinking about approaching problems, are in 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 software, and how he's handling it, are saving the company money and time, making his life easier, and he's using automated tools that we all have at our disposal. This kid just knows how to put it all together. Okay. That's a game changer for me. And since every single, in my case, fire system, every single fire system now is based on a computer and software and programming it, it is essential that we know exactly how to do that. And obviously some of us can move with those changes. I certainly can. But even what I do pales in comparison to what the next generation is capable of and what the generation after that will be capable of. And now that we have AI coming up and, and um, you know, the technology is always changing, you, get, you know, you've got virtual servers and all these different things that are happening out here, how all that stuff ties together, how to keep it safe, how to keep it secure, how to keep it working, all those good things, the, the, uh, the the new generation are dealing with some technologies and some some things that this older generation like me we kind of have to learn from them so 
What happens when your ex-apprentice is now journeyman or journey persons or really ought to be, are looking at you who have been in the trade for 20 or 30 years and showing you stuff that you didn't know was possible? How does it make you feel? How does that affect you? You feel useless? You feel old? You feel like it's time to retire? Or do you embrace it and go forward? It's like it's like training a pilot and then standing to the side or sitting to the side and letting that person fly the plane and land it and you putting all your trust into that person you trained to know what they're doing. And yes, everybody's going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to have ups and downs. That level of trust to hand over, <laughs> in, in the case of the controls of a plane, to somebody that you trained, that's really putting it on the line. That's really now thinking, boy, did, did I, did I, did I do this right? <laughs> uh, is this, it's like training, if, if you've ever had to train a kid to drive, you know, student, student driver, the first time you hand the keys over to your daughter or son and have them drink the car out and you're sitting on the right side, constantly pushing on the fake brake pedal, hoping you could stop this thing and going, hey, you're too close, you're too fast, you're, you're driving crazy, I know what I'm doing, dad, all those things. It's the same deal here. It's the same deal here. And at some point, it's this generation and the generation after that that are going to be taking care of us as we get old and decrepit and, you know, go out the pasture, whatever you want to call it. So the more we trust them, the more we train them, the more we give them every bit of knowledge that we have, the more we help them get ahead and let them know that they're not the enemy. Matter of fact, if it isn't for this next generation being better people than we are, we're screwed. We really are screwed. So let's think about that. Let's think about the necessity of, of making sure that what we hand over in our trade, in our tradecraft, in our learning, in our in every in every aspect that it really doesn't matter which way you go it it, it doesn't doesn't it, it could be your religious thing it could be your your social thing it could be your politics it could be it could be it could be the the the, the, the I'm stuttering but it could be the it could be the ecology for crying out loud all right at some point these young folk that I'm talking about are going to be old folk and we're going to be in their memories, just like the old folks that I remember are in my memory. And as I look back in my memory, I think of the things my mom taught me, the good and the bad. I think of the things my dad taught me, my grandfather and my grandmothers. And there were some really wonderful things I picked up, and there were some really terrible things I picked up. And the idea was to not pass the terrible things on and hopefully just pass the good stuff. But we're all parents and we're all, or we're all maybe or whatever. Uh, we all kind of make mistakes and, and goof up. But the hope is that we're not turning over the next generation a state that is worse than the way we got it. And if you look, when you were an apprentice, if you're a journeyman now, if you were an apprentice and you looked at what you picked up 
from the people you worked with. How well were you trained? Think about that. I, I can tell you where I picked up some of my stuff. The, 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 one of the guys I worked with was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. And I made a mistake one time of, of pulling a, uh, electricians will love this. I pulled a fiberglass, <laughs> fiberglass uh, fish tape through an LB, through a half inch LB. And uh, the fiberglass fish tape just kind of, if you get the loop wrong, it just kind of snaps into the LB. And you getting that thing back out, uh, this is a 90 degree bend if you don't know what one is. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a one star, um, not recommended. So we were working in a boiler room and it's hot. And this guy who I was working with had been wearing since probably before I was born. So he really knew his stuff. It was one of the, one of the three digit license holders. So I, uh, I go to, I go to Jimmy this thing back out of the, out of the cell B and I can't get it out. Right. And I don't want to admit to him because, you know, it's a mistake, right? Yeah. So I dig at this, dig at this, dig at this thing, and I can't ruin the cables that are next to it. And I, I try everything. I try pushing it, and that doesn't work. And I try pushing it up from the bottom, and that doesn't work. I don't know how I'm going to get this loop out. So eventually, I finally figured out a way to get the, the, the tape to move a little bit. You know, and this is like a good, I don't know, it's not a, uh, probably a quarter inch or less than that. I don't know, maybe an eighth. It's the, the fiberglass rod is hard to bend. I'll put it in that way. And since it made that 90 degree bend, it wasn't coming out very easily. I finally figured out the right tool, the right method to get the loop out. I got the loop out. I pulled this thing out and he had taken a lunch. <clears throat> I stayed and worked through the lunch so I could, I could get this thing up. And right about the time he came back in, I was just finishing up this pole and without, without missing a beat, after it was all said and done, he looked. He kind of looked over at me, whispered in my ear, and says, "I bet you'll never pull a fiberglass tape through a 90 LB again, will you? I bet you'll never happen twice." And and tapped me on the shoulder. I learned more from that guy and that experience than I can shake a stick at. Just it makes me laugh. He's no longer with us, but it 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 makes me laugh thinking about it. And uh, he knew I was going to get this thing out, and he knew the way to get it out. But that was the the lesson I needed to learn at the time. And then he went on to, to show me some stuff that, you know, kind of helped me get through that particular lesson. I had instructors like that that helped me. I had some that were really, really poor. I had some that were just useless, as useless as you could imagine. You also had the same thing. Make sure that every time you're doing something, that your apprentice is not seeing, they see it. Make sure every thing that you touch is golden and do not do stuff half-assed. Make it good, make it right. Teach your apprentices to make it right and make sure that this generation that comes after us and the generation after them are absolutely knocking it out of the park. And don't, don't do it for me, do it for yourself and do it for the trade and make sure that you're on your game. So the whole point of this, of this lecture was, it was, and I know it meanders around, but it's been on my mind for the last couple of, uh, of days. And I, I wanted, I wanted to just get this off my chest to, to give everybody an enthusiastic bump. 
I have seen some tremendous kids turn out to be unbelievably good junior men. So there are already an army of us doing this right. There are a few bad apples out there and there always are going to be some, there's just, that's just the way life is. There are going to be good companies. There are going to be companies that are struggling. There are going to be, there are going to be good journeymen. They're going to be bad journeymen. They're going to be everything out there under the sun. The only person who can change you is you. And that's it. That's all you can do. All you can affect is you. If you change you and make sure that you're doing the best you can do and spread that same word to as many folks as you can, then we'll advance this cause. And that's it. That's all I really want to say. I don't do too many lectures anymore. Obviously, we've had a lot of guests. We've had a lot of, uh, of some, I've had some really fantastic guests on, and uh, I, I'm blown away at the last couple I've had. I just, just really have enjoyed it. And uh, we've had some good roundtables, but I don't lecture often anymore. This was my lecture that's been sitting on my heart for the last uh, uh, couple of weeks. So, uh, and, and I think that, that meeting this other, uh, this uh, other person in this other trade, hopefully we can get on the show, uh, was, was really, it was so, it was so good to see it come from a different trade in a, in a, and, and know that, that they are also, you know, right on their game. And it doesn't really matter if you're an electrician or if you're a carpenter or if you're a laying roofs or, you know, digging ditches. There's just, it is what it is. I, I can't, I can't tell you how critically important it is to the infrastructure of our great nation and our community here to make sure that everything we do is done right. It's done to code. It's done because we have earthquakes, we have fires, we have real life situations that are coming up. Uh, if we don't do our game right, right, everybody's at risk. Thanks for listening to the Half Watt Podcast. We always want to hear from you, and we encourage you to email us at halfwattpod at gmail.com with questions or even your own stories. Funny, crazy, or praiseworthy, we want to hear it all. You can follow us on Instagram at halfwattpod to stay up to date on our feed. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share us with a friend the best way to help us grow. The Half Watt Podcast is a production of Now Hear This Studios.